Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I have Todd Allen on the phone with me today. This guy has served in the United States Navy, and I'm going to let him tell you more about how he was spending some time on a nuclear fast attack submarine, but today we want to talk about what he knows about UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice Trials. Todd Allen, welcome to the Prophecy Club. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Okay, so he sent me an email, and he has got 14 points telling us about these UCMJ trials. So, Todd, tell us, first of all, you, your background with the Navy and how you know about these UCMJ trials. I did serve in the United States Navy back in 89. I was MS3, which basically means I was a petty officer, third class. I worked as a cook on a nuclear submarine. It was the USS Gennard SSN 662. It was a 637-class nuclear fast-attack submarine. We were stationed at Point Loma Naval Base in San Diego. In that time, I was able to set up numerous, albeit small, UCMJ trials. That time that I served, you would think probably, okay, this guy's a cook. What, what, what does this mean? What does this matter? Well, on a submarine, we are required to know the entire submarine inside and out. We get qualified on the submarine. That means I have to learn how to, in an emergency, if need be, even shut down the reactor if that's required, or to plug holes if we're taking on water or putting out fires. Also, a cook's responsibility is, because we only had one corpsman on the ship, we were required to go into the dangerous area to stabilize a victim that was hurt or, you know, got hurt in the damage or whatever, and bring them to the corpsman. So we're, we're trained for many things, and one of those things was also to set up the trial for the captain. We called it captain's mast or the green table, and that's because of the green tablecloth that was set on the table. Captain would conduct the matter as a judge would for these smaller court cases. Typically, we would do these when we were out at sea, although we could do it in port, but we generally handled everything on the ship. So you didn't just wait until you're back in port, somebody do something, and boom, they could get military justice right there and then? Yes, immediately. In fact, we did have that happen on numerous occasions. Okay, now let me interrupt here because I need to explain why we want to talk about military justice. As you recall, for the last several days, I've been talking about how on October 3rd that they're going to have a test of the EAS, the Emergency Alert System. It was supposed to be done on September 20th, but Q says it was delayed because they didn't want to interrupt the process of getting Kavanaugh uh, confirmed. It is my suspicion, I can't confirm it, but it is my suspicion that when it does happen on October 3rd, it is not going to be saying this is a test. It may be saying national emergency. Because and right. I've got several reasons why that, but again, that's the topic for another day. Right now, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the reason this is is because on March the 1st, I think this is it, he signed two different executive orders that relate to this. One executive order, yes, this is the one, executive order March 1, 2018, number 13825, is basically saying, and I'm not a, an attorney and I could be misunderstanding this, but... From my general layman's reading of it, apparently what Trump has done is passed this executive order 
that upgrades the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so that they can try people who have committed these sex crimes and corruption, meaning that it allows them to arrest these 50,000 people, take them off to some uh, Gitmo Diego Garcia or Atoll prison islands, and try them by military tribunals. So Todd emails me and said, hey, let me tell you about how these military tribunals work. I was amazed at the 14 points he told me Todd say on. Well, when I first heard about, and originally it was about, I think it was 40,000 at the time, of these indictments. Now, it is true that civilians cannot be tried normally under a military court under uh, international law. However, what I was thinking at the time back then, before what you just read, uh, that these are, however, government employees giving the option for a military tribunal with these tribunals, there's no funny money that's going to be paid under the table to these judges or lawyers. We hear about these things all the time in the civilian courts where something is done and somebody gets out uh, and, and is able to lessen something or whatever. That's not going to take place when it comes to a military tribunal. These people are serious. When it comes to the military, they don't play around. In other words, there's not going to be any silly O.J. Simpson, Bill Clinton mockery trials. That's right. There's not going to be this joke of, well, what is the meaning of is? The games are going to stop. All the lawyers are military. They're JAG, which is the Judge Advocate General's Corps. For anybody who's not familiar with that, you may be familiar with the television show that was on at one point in time. And they are all business and to the point. These military trials are quick, efficient, and final. When they come to a resolution and it's written in ink, that's it. There are appeals that do happen. If there is substantial evidence, however, there's really no chance for them to move for a retrial or, for instance, move on to a Supreme Court uh, in a civilian case. Uh, No delay for 10 or 15 years. Right. There's just no getting out of the facts. Plea bargains, however, can be made, but, you know, for a guilty plea of a reduced sentence. But then again, that still means that they're pleading guilty. And the other things that the president has put together, I think, is is still going to fall into play for them, which includes taking away for these sexual crimes their personal belongings, as well as whatever money that they have in the bank or whatever wealth they have. Now, a judge could conduct these Article 32s, more or less. It's a short hearing. Between four to six of them in an hour, they're going to have everything laid out. There's, you said, what, 470 lawyers that are working on these charges. I've I've heard on other programs that there's a lot of lawyers working on this. There's, there's not, they're not playing around. You mean I'm not the only one you listen to? Well, <laughs> and you mean I'm not the only one that knows about this? I thought I was the only one. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, they must be listening to you, so they're talking about it. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so uh, Article 32, for anybody who doesn't know under the UCMJ, it's similar to that of a uh, preliminary hearing in regular civilian law. And its name comes from the UCMJ Section 7, Article 32, which mandates the hearing. 
So the hearings are basically your preliminary before you get into the nitty-gritty of what the charges are. And those will go by, I'm assuming, really quickly since these lawyers are going to have their act together. 50,000 people, if they could do four to six, one judge, and I'm assuming they're going to have multiple judges as well, they're probably going to knock this out pretty quickly. Again, the military does not play around. They will pull all of their power and forces together to get this done. The United States Armed Forces non-judicial punishment is a form of military justice that is authorized by an Article 15 of the UCMJ, also known as an NJP, which permits the commanders to discipline their troops without a court-martial. These are some pretty serious cases. There are three types of court-martials. There is a summary, a special, and a general. Now, a summary court-martial provides a simplified procedure for the resolution of charges involving minor incidents of misconduct. Then there's the special court-martial, which is basically in the middle of the two. The one that I believe that they're going to go for is the general court-martial, which is used only for the most egregious offenses. Processes there actually take more time as they're going through all the charges and the proof of those said charges are brought to point. Can they um, convict with the death penalty? Absolutely. The military can convict with the death penalty. And does they, it take they, some 20 years on death row or something? When it comes to the death penalty in the military, they don't play around with it. They get things done. Once a person has been given the death penalty, there's very little wiggle room for them. For instance, on April 13, 1961, U.S. Army Private John A. Bennett was hanged after being convicted of rape and attempted murder. So that is one of the more recent convictions that has taken place. So it, it does happen. People might be thinking, well, does the military really still do that? The military does death penalties, and they don't play around. When it comes to getting things done, they're not going to spend the next 20 to 50 years on death row hanging around on basically the taxpayer's dime, which is good because, quite honestly, I think the taxpayers have been paying enough for the hooligans that have been playing around in Washington, D.C. on our dime, and uh, I'm glad to see that this is possibly coming to a head. The UCMJ death penalty is a possible punishment for about 15 offenses, many of which occurred during the time of war, and we've been at war as a country since basically Afghanistan, that's still pretty much, that one's still going on as well. Yeah, we qualify. We're during a time of war. People who are convicted of premeditated murder or felony. Yeah, the trials are private, meaning that there's not going to be any media going. It's not going to turn into a dog and pony show. It's not going to turn into like an O.J. Simpson trial. The outcome of these trials will be posted in the news. It's not like the news media won't find out about it and they won't be able to tell people what's going on. The UCMJ trial, being military, means that it's also federal. So when things are done, that means that it's going to come out as a federal a conviction. Federal prisons are not any joke. They don't play around with federal prisons. There's none of this, you know, complaining about, well, I don't have peanuts in my peanut butter and and all the silly stuff that we see in civilian prisons and stuff. Now, this this is very concrete type prisons. There's no fun in any of these whatsoever. It's not like a club med, as some of my friends and I like to joke. The UCMJ trial is 100% military. 
is also international. So that means it can be conducted on any military base or U.S. naval ship. It doesn't all have to be done, say, in the United States, in Washington, D.C., or New York, or whatever. They could conduct these on any military base or naval ship, uh, however they decide to do it, because this is done by the military. So if they're arresting some of these people who are overseas, 50,000, there's no telling. I'm hoping George Soros is on the list. Amen. Just saying. All they have to do is take them to the nearest military base or naval ship. So he's not getting out. They don't necessarily have to go off to Gitmo or to the Atoll Islands or to Diego Garcia. They can simply take them to a federal base or even off to a ship someplace. And so, in other words, there could be a lot of trials taking place. A lot of people, well, maybe the question is, so how long would it take for them to try 50,000 some odd people? Depending on the judges and all the material that they need to go through, because it is a military organization, you know, they do things by the book. And also, like the civilians, they still have to go through the pile of information, whatever the charges are and the proof behind those charges. They still have to go through all of that information. It just depends on how long it takes to read through all of this. and go Give me your best ballpark process. guess. How long has it taken a UCMJ trial to try 50,000 people? Uh, weeks, days, months, 20 years? How long? Give me a number. I could see them doing it in a, in a matter of a few months. If they have as many people as it sounds like they have working on it, in all honesty, I could see them getting through it between three to six months. That brings up another question. So how long does it take for them to arrest some 50,000 people if they wanted to? The military, police, and armed forces can carry out the arrest warrants internationally. That means they're not going to need any permission from other countries. As the U.S. military, they already have that permission to operate internationally. So arresting 52,000 people in a day will not be a problem. Here's some numbers to think about. There was a total of 1.3 million active duty military and more than 800,000 reserve forces as of September 2017. And this is according to the Defense Department personnel data. It's not going to be a problem with them having the manpower to arrest 52,000 people in a day. They're already going to know where these people are at. Okay, Um, now, have you heard someplace that the government actually has been updating, upgrading, and enlarging these federal prison systems, actually preparing for a large group of people to come in? Yes, actually, you asked if I listened to other people. Amazingly, yes, um, unfortunately, or amazingly, depending on how you look at it. But yes, I listen to you a lot, and I've heard reported that the government has been enlarging and updating its federal prison systems. These systems like Guantanamo Bay and for the influx, because obviously 52,000 people have to go somewhere. I do believe that they are preparing for this. That's, we, this is, we also know that been working towards. Yes. We also know that President Trump has signed executive orders to not only allow them to be tried under the military or uniform code of military justice, but also to confiscate their wealth and property of these people conducting these sex slaves and trafficking, as well as just corruption. Right. So these people could just disappear into the night and never be heard from again outside of what might be given to the news media. 
Right. Once the uh, the trial has been conducted and whatever has been finalized, yes, we would hear about it. But yes, they could definitely move in. Uh, and I don't really think that they would do it even just during the night. I believe that they could swoop in and within 24 hours, even within 12 hours, with the amount of manpower that U.S. military has at its disposal, once the president, President Trump, says, boys, I want these people arrested, here's the list, and this is where they're at, because we've been watching them, so we know where they're at. It's not going to be a big secret of of playing hunt and find. Go and get them, and most of them are high figures, so they couldn't hide and seek anyways. Um, And even if they tried, again, uh, our military is it is and works internationally. So for them to reach out into, say, Mexico or Bradley Islands, we're not going to have a problem going and getting them there. I also understand that the UCMJ trial can actually try small groups of people, actually try not just an individual or one or two people, but can try a whole group of people together. Tell us about that. On some occasions, yes, the UCMJ trial could allow for smaller groups of people to stand before the judge at the same time, meaning on a related charge. So as long as the charge is related and the information that uh, they're going over is, is on a specific charge, they can deal with smaller groups of people, say, for instance, a sexually related crime of trafficking, abuse, they could simply have them stand together before the judge. The JAG representatives would be there, but definitely they could also try these people in smaller groups to work through them faster. Certainly in the uh, Article 32 that we mentioned earlier, going through groups of these people so that they can process everything much faster. A lot of people think that the military is slow as molasses and they're not so. It's a, it's a joke. This is going to take forever, and absolutely not. Being in the military, from what I've seen and what I've been a part of, we never played around. On a, on a nuclear submarine, there was no goofing off. There was no playing around. We had a job. We did it. We did it quick, and we did it right. Wow. Um, All right. Well, Todd, I thank you so much, brother for sending me this email and updating us and letting us know how these military tribunals can and do, in fact, work. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Stan. Um, I just wanted to say, Stan, that I really appreciate all that you're doing. Um, I really am grateful and thankful for the hard work that you do with the Prophecy Club and getting the information out to people. I contacted you because I've seen an opportunity to get some information out there. I know that's big in your heart. We both, I know you do because we've, we've talked and I've listened to you for a long time. That is your heart, to get this information out to people. And, and I just wanted to just thank you, since I have you on the phone, for all the hard work you do. Thank it, you, it sir. It takes a lot to put everything together. Thank you, I sir. I appreciate it. Yes. Can I pray for you? Yes, sir. Oh, I'd love that. Lord, you have heard. His heart is to warn people and to serve you. He might not be doing that right now, but Lord, I ask for you to see his heart and see the path that he's walking and that you would turn the path so that he could serve you, that we'd make him a watchman, that you would be a voice behind him speaking and saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. 
They would begin to give him dreams and visions and angel visits and use him as a watchman in the last days and give him many souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. I want to summarize what I'm trying to get across in this particular broadcast and why the October 3rd EAS, Emergency Alert System, may, please, I do not know for certain, may not be a test, but may, in fact, announce the national emergency, just like President Trump signed the executive orders, and I will read it here. It says, December 21, 2017, executive order. I'll read the paragraph. I therefore determine that serious human rights abuse and corruption around the world constitute an unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, and the economy of the United States, and I hereby, here it is, here it is, declare a national emergency to treat to deal with the threat. I hereby determine and order Section 1A, all property and interests in property that are in the United States, that hereafter come within the United States or that are hereafter come within the possession or control of the United States, person of the following persons are blocked and may not be transferred, paid, exported, withdrawn, or otherwise dealt in. Essentially, these people that have been involved in serious human rights abuse, we understand that there is this big pedophilia whole network, this whole conspiracy, and it's not just America, it's around the world, and corruption, he is apparently about to put a screeching halt to it. Now, let me continue with what I'm trying to say. So it was supposed to be that this EAS was actually turned on September 20, but according to Q, it was delayed because they were in the middle of the Kavanaugh confirmations. All right, now, If they're just going to do a simple emergency test message, why wouldn't he go ahead and do that? How would that affect the Kavanaugh confirmations? Well, I can't see how a simple text message going to every cell phone in America could possibly affect the Kavanaugh confirmations. But if it's a national emergency, and if they're about to round up 50,000 corrupt U.S. leaders taking them off to Gitmo, Diego Garcia, and Atoll Islands, and according to what we just heard here, basically to some military base or out on a ship, and putting them into a military justice tribunal, if they're going to do that, well, I can see how that that would interfere with the Kavanaugh confirmation, and maybe they should delay it. Okay, so back to my point. Now, I do not have any sources. I don't have any phone calls. I don't have any magic uh, envelopes slid under the door to me. I'm simply a prophecy student listening to God's prophets and trying to string things together. I look into the future just like you do, and because we understand Bible prophecy and listen to God's prophets, we can know things that the average person doesn't know. We can see things that the average person doesn't see. Now, I can't guarantee that October 3rd is going to be a test or national emergency. But since Ezekiel 33.6 commands me and you as watchmen, when we see the sword come, we are to blow the trumpet. Well, I see a potential sword, so I'm potentially blowing the trumpet. Here's the point, 
and I've got several things. I've got I'm probably going to be on this for several more broadcasts. But the point is, what happens October 3rd when this EAS goes out if it doesn't say this is a test? Instead, if it says we are declaring an, a national emergency, and according to what we just heard, 50,000 people are all rounded up inside a 24-hour period, would that fulfill some of the prophecies, like, for example, Pastor Massey said we're going to go out of order. Terry Bennett said that the federal government is going to go into chaos and it's going to have to come down to the state level. Would that fulfill it? Well, I think we'd have to say yes. Don't forget, November 2017, Sessions appointed Huber to clean up the task. Huber assigns 470 dogged investigators to the task. Normally, there's 125 to 350 sealed indictments at any one time in America. But now there are over 50,000 of them. Well, how'd that happen? Is that an accident or is that by design? Now, there's a lot of people on the internet trying to poo-poo and trying to say, oh, well, you're the 50. Look, when we're normally having 125 to 350, it can't be 50,000. It's just an accident. Then you look at the executive order, December 21, 2017, that where Trump says, I hereby declare a national emergency. Then you look at the executive order number 13825 of March 1, 2018, 465 pages, and it is amending the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and it is amending it so that, and look, again, I'm not an attorney, and maybe I misunderstood it, but based upon what I have read in it, it appears that what Trump is going to do is to pull Bill and Hillary and others like them into military tribunals so that they can be judged quickly without their big fancy attorneys coming in and pulling them out. So it appears to me that this EO, this executive order, gives them permission to prosecute all offenses of the law, past and future, that were against the law prior to this EO. And you'd think they wouldn't be doing this right before the elections of November 6. However, you got to ask yourself, the EAS was moved from 20 uh, September to 3 October because it wouldn't interfere with the Kavanaugh confirmation. That doesn't sound to me like a test. That sounds to me like the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation is is actually linked to Rod Rosenstein, the FEMA, and the whole presidential alert system being actually a national emergency and rounding up 50,000 people. Now, again, no, I don't have any inside sources. So maybe it's just a test. Maybe these 50,000 sealed indictments is just a nothing. Or maybe I'm right. Now, based upon what I, and I'm going to have to cover this in another broadcast. I can see I'm already out of time here, but let me quickly just read what I can from some of the Q posts that tend to be saying the same thing. He says that here, panic in D.C., Sessions and Hebrew have weekend meetings. Well, why are they meeting? Because they're planning the roundup, brothers and sisters. Goodbye, Mr. Rosenstein. Goodbye, Mr. Mueller. Patriots in control. I'm going to keep reading. Let me see your war face. This is it, lads. For you and you alone. Fight, fight, fight. Attention on deck. 
lock on target, fire at will. The American people and others around the world are awakening. Panic? Question mark. Game over. Period. Non-NSA tech cannot read filter, meaning they've shut down the NSA to be able to warn all of these people. The war is real. The power you have is real. Fight, fight, fight. Things are moving faster than you know, but that will soon change. Reference visibility. Public interest forces the sun to shine. Why are we here? Well, what was the main reason Trump even run for the presidency? Was it not to drain the swamp? Could it be that this EAS test is not a test? Could it be that he's about to announce a national emergency come October 3? Round up 50,000 corrupt U.S. leaders? Put them on military tribunal trials? And eliminate them. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your prayers. And when it comes time to your giving, remember the Prophecy Club. God bless. Brothers and sisters, God wants us to help his side win the battle for souls. The Prophecy Club is on the tip of God's spear. Join the battle and prayerfully consider supporting the Prophecy Club with your gifts of support. We would not be here without your prayers and generous financial support. 